This podcast is brought to you by the University of Aberdeen. Hello and welcome back to our Be Well Podcasts. I'm Becca Walker, your host, and I'm delighted to be here today with another panel of guests to discuss what it is like living with a hidden disability. Before we kick off our discussion, can you all introduce yourself to our listeners so we know who you are and why you volunteered to be part of today's episode? Hi everyone, my name is Leslie Muirhead. I am the Lead Student Support Advisor for Disability at the University. So I manage the disability advisors within the Student Advice and Support Team and we coordinate support for disabled students at the University. Yeah, I was just about to say, I'm Soph. I'm a third year of psychology student at the University of Aberdeen. My name is Dana and I'm a master's student in environmental science. Great, thanks guys and thanks so much for joining me. I'm really looking forward to our discussion. So we all know that living with a disability can be challenging and make life more demanding, but living with a a hidden disability or an invisible disability can add another layer of challenges. Many people can experience stigma and discrimination due to lack of awareness and understanding. I hope that throughout today's podcast, we can start to address some of these issues and begin to raise awareness in our community. So let's start with what is a hidden disability? Do you guys have any examples? So hidden disability is something that can't be perceived with a naked eye. So uh, what what is not a hidden disability would be amputation or let's say a broken leg. Um, So a hidden disability is usually you know, something that could be associated with mental health, uh, usually, so like, you know, bipolar disorder, depression, uh, whereas in my case, a hidden disability is actually also physical. Um, so I have a chronic illness, I've got type 1 diabetes, and you can't tell from looking at me that I have diabetes, but what makes my disability visible is actually the medication I take. I have to agree, um, a hidden disability is something you can't see, and it might not manifest uh, even if you know the person. You might never know that they are actually um, living with a hidden disability unless uh, um, unless you see them uh, taking something for it or they disclose it to you. Yeah, I totally agree with everything that, that Sophie and Zana has said. Um, you know, some people experience a disability that is outwardly visible to other people, um, whether it's, you know, other conditions are not visible or hidden, um, such as diabetes, mental health conditions, autism spectrum conditions, specific learning differences. Um, so, yeah. I think one issue with hidden disabilities as well is that you can't picture it because it's not something that's concrete, which is why usually an invisible, invisible disability is always linked usually to, to mental health. So that's also another tricky part of hidden disabilities there, that they're not, you can't conceptualise them. Um, how to explain that, you know, my, for example, for, at least in my case, my immune system doesn't produce cells that I need to be able to break down glucose. Um, <laughs> that's not something you can actually see, like, with your eyes. So, yeah, that's what, I like, I think that's very well how we would encompass a hidden um, disability. I think it's also hidden in the way that that might affect people as well. You know, we we know the term diabetes, but we don't necessarily know how that might affect someone in their daily life and their experience of, for instance, studying. And it's not always obvious 
um, how their, their disability or their health condition has an impact on them. Yeah, that, there's just so many great implications of everything around other than just, you know, diabetes, which is a dysfunctional pancreas. It just doesn't stop there. There's just so many mental health implications and common like assumption with diabetes is only linked to food. Whereas there's actually so many different factors I need to take into account. So like sleep, exercising, altitude, temperature and other stuff I can't even think about because I'm not even sure how to quantify, but mainly stress for university, like genuinely just like, you know, deadlines and you're just like having to manage everything. Um, But yeah, there's so many implications as well in the word hidden that no one necessarily thinks about. And I think it's a shame because that's literally what a hidden disability should be about. It's that substance. So yeah, we just show one sort of layer and it's just saying a word, which is, ah, depression. Oh, diabetes. But yeah, they're, they're just words to people. Whereas for us, it's actually a big thing. It's not just, yeah, uh, like a mood disorder or a dysfunctional organ. There's just so many other things going on that no one necessarily sees. You know, it's all in the background. It's also really hard to explain to people because they just can't understand. Like even I sometimes can't understand other things that other people are like, oh, what do you mean? It's like, I, I'm fine with that. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's just that con- it's like a hard concept to understand. It's like, I get, I get really like tired and anxious and it's like, but most people don't. So they can't understand like why I'm, I'm like always like, oh, how do you feel? I'm tired. I was like, why are you always tired? I was like, because I can't. My body works in weird ways. But yeah, it's just a hard, I guess, hard concept to wrap your head around and then you can't even see it. So um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think I think that's so true. That is the thing about a hidden disability is from the outwards um, appearance, you might appear for want of a better phrase normal um the same as everyone else but actually you are experiencing and suffering something internal and I suppose uh, an example that I can think of is uh, disabled parking I've heard some horror stories about people getting abuse from parking in a disabled space because they look like they can they can walk fine you know they're not impaired at all but actually that person could be living with um, a hidden disability and you you don't know um, an experience that someone else is going through. And I think as well, like the, the pandemic certainly to me has highlighted how broad hidden disabilities are and how common they are in society as well. So for example, the, the pandemic has highlighted the awareness of the um, sunflower um, and most commonly seen as um, the sunflower lanyard. And I just wondered what your guys' thoughts are. Is it now a benefit that um, people are more aware of the sunflower lanyard and recognise it? Or does it come with any concerns and worries that maybe you would have to disclose a hidden disability that you might not normally want to? Um, what are your guys' thoughts? Well, in my case, interestingly, I only learned of the sunflower lanyard through that podcast. Um, So that's quite sad because even myself, who has a hidden disability, had no idea that was a thing. (laughs) I think it's it's a great way for people to say without having to say openly they have some sort of hidden disability or like illness that they're dealing with. Um, I mean, it's 
it's just so hard to like you know come to someone and say oh hey by the way I've got this and that and I'm dealing with this and that no like you just wear that kind of token and people just know from that token that you are dealing with stuff that are not that 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 are very personal on a mental and physical level but one of the tricky things with these I think tokens is that people start treating you differently so they start being kinder they start being more supportive they 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 start you know treating you differently and I really really hate that because I don't want to be considered differently by my friends or by just the people around me just because I'm wearing that token so I personally don't wear it because I don't want to receive some sort of special treatment um that's actually the last thing I'd want because it imply I'm actually really disabled but if anything, my disability enabled me to do so many different things I never thought I'd ever do. So I don't like thinking of diabetes as something that's going to stop me from doing the things I want. If anything, it's pushing me to do the things I want because I want to prove the world wrong. And especially diabetics, as I've heard so many diabetics say to me, oh, but you can't do this. You can't do that. Like that's going to do this to your diabetes management, this and that. But actually, I can manage it. So I just proved the entire world wrong, pretty much. Um, I have a slightly different view. I've heard of it before. I think kind of when the pandemic started, there were like talks about the sunflower lanyard and everything and um, not wearing the mask, but to have to wear the lanyard. And I don't think I perceive the people who I see with the lanyard differently. Um, I At least I haven't noticed that I kind of look at them differently. I just might go like, oh, um, there's something like wrong, like different with them. But um, yeah, other, otherwise, no. My one concern is people probably misuse it as well because there's no, you don't need to go to the doctor and have a note and then you're given it. You can just get it. So uh, my, that's my kind of concern that people would just go like, oh, I don't want to wear a mask, so I'm just going to go like, yes, I have a hidden disability, just give it to me and I'm going to be not adhering to the rules and (laughs) helping like the collective effort. Yeah, I do agree. The the easiness of getting a hand of these um, tokens and just labels are just, is quite concerning. I, I do know a few people that don't have any disabilities and actually do have one. So they do get the special treatment. I don't even know why I'm calling it special treatment, but the fact you don't need to wear a mask, for example, in the library because you have this, but they don't have anything related to mental health or physical health. I think ideally it would be good to live in a society where it is inclusive and we, we don't necessarily you know, need to have these things. Everyone has you know, a positive attitude to difference. Um, but I think it's a, a great option for people to have that where they maybe find it difficult to explain their disability, their hidden disability. So, you know, if they feel comfortable having that lanyard, that that, um, you know, kind of helps them in, in a situation where they might feel uncomfortable, if they feel more comfortable having that, that lanyard, I, I see that as a good thing that there's an, an option for people that that want to use it it's a choice isn't it to wear that lanyard like Sophie has said that she, she chooses not to wear one in, in situations um, so I, I think it's an, a good option for, for people for it to be be available I think the other reasons as well why I don't necessarily feel I need one is just because I do show off my diabetes quite a lot so like when I take my medication which involves injections I'll do it openly in public and 
that's a thing that not many diabetics do. They usually go into the bathroom and just start hiding, which is very sad. That's what I used to do a few years ago. Um, but yeah, no, I'm just like, I just do it openly without without any problem. And I do have an account where, an Instagram account where I share a lot about my diabetes. So like people know I have diabetes and they know what I'm kind of going through. So I don't feel the necessity to show, to, to have that token for people to know I do have diabetes. They, they just in, seem to instantly know I do. So yeah, I think it's also a confidence issue because I feel the, the sunflower does provide confidence to people that don't know how to come about showing they do have a disability. So I guess it does enable a lot of people to to say, yeah, so I'm going through this, but because I have no way to communicate it, I'm going to wear this sunflower. Um, but because I have different means to show to 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 raise awareness of diabetes, yep. I just don't feel the ne- the need to have that token around me. Exactly, it's a choice, isn't it? The way that you choose to discuss your individual health condition, disability, whether you want to use a sunflower to do that or to express that in a different way. I think I think that's great that people have these these options. I'm actually hiding completely. <laughs> For me, the lanyard is more associated with like you can't, for whatever reason, you can't wear the mask that's like causing you anxiety or issues. Um, because I, I, I kind of see sometimes when I'm wearing the mask, it's like, oh god, I wish I could take that damn thing off. But like, I in general, I don't have an issue of uh, wearing it and. Um, sort of yeah for me it was more an expression of i can't do the thing everyone is asked to do instead of like i'm just showing everyone that ha- i have a hidden disability so yeah maybe maybe it's on me that i don't really want to disclose um to people that i have it kind of want to feel quote unquote normal <laughs> That, that's quite interesting because it just made me think I feel it's so sad I'm actually being so negative about that the sunflower like I feel so bad now but um I feel it does discriminate between those who are disabled or different to those who are no- that those who we qualify as normal um so I don't like this division because it does it does yeah it does in the end it's not inclusive it's if anything it's exclusive because you what you make people identify according to their physical or mental health, which I don't. I, yeah, I don't associate with that. We should if we're all talking about diversity and inclusivity, like these days, these are the big words in all these big companies, and not just big companies, institutions like the university, and yet we do promote things to to to, to affirm our mental and physical health issues, which is is sad like i i i don't i don't associate with that if anything it creates division when all we are talking about is being inclusive and diverse and unified which is i don't think is through the sunflower lanyard that you'd get that from yeah from having a token to identify people who who have issues pretty much yeah i completely agree and i think what you guys are are saying is around 
how everyone everywhere should be inclusive anyway and I totally get what you're saying about how the sunflower lanyard can automatically incur that divide um, when it would be really nice if everyone could just be courteous and caring to people regardless of if they've got a hidden disability a visible disability um, or not everyone should be kind and courteous to everyone Certainly for me, I feel like the the sunflower lanyard, I personally wasn't aware of how many people had hidden disabilities until the pandemic hit. So for me, like it's opened my eyes to how many people um, are going through something that you don't always know that they are going through, um, whether that's physically or mentally hidden or visible. Does it affect your learning experience at all? And do you feel supported by um, the university? So do you feel that the university supports your your needs that you've disclosed to them? So far, I've found it quite helpful. Um, everyone seems to be really nice and like trying to um, accommodate me and give me information and uh, being patient when I'm like completely drop off because I just can't I can't deal with it anymore and um, I think yes uh, on the part of where I have disclosed it to the support services they've been very helpful and very accommodating and um, yeah but other than, other than that as, as I said I haven't really um, disclose it to anyone else like in the wider to any tutors or anything because I like to think I'm capable and I can, I, I can do it but there's been moments where I'm like maybe I should but then again it's like <laughs> no then again it's, it's the stigma uh, of uh, not just hidden disability there's like different types like anxiety and like mental uh, um health is just um it's it's for me at least it's still quite a bit of a stigma so it's it's really hard for me to come out then again i'm literally coming out on a podcast so um <laughs> maybe i'm getting better at this but overall yeah I, I find the environment really encouraging and helpful yeah I, I definitely agree with that when i so just to give a bit of context um i'm not from the uk so i was born and raised in france so changing country was quite the the big step for my diabetes management i was really lost when i arrived um but good thing i remember for my first year at least fresh as fair there was just everything on campus so like whether it was society's clubs, but also the NHS was there and you could get registered and get a doctor and get everything you needed. So I literally just went to registration, spoke to someone at the desk and made me fill in a big, massive load of paper. And the next day, like I had a meeting with a diabetes nurse, I think it was a week after, and um, they got all my medications sorted out, um, managed to get all my prescriptions, um, which is super important. I can't live without any of my meds, by the way, so... I really needed a team here to make sure I've got I can get the medication I need in case. Um, but I do think it does come with with some challenges, and I think that's just me personally. Is diabetes is still quite fresh, so I was diagnosed three years ago. So when I went to uni, it was I was only getting into my first year of diabetes. It's just challenging in the ways to ask for support because you've never needed support before. So I never went to see disability support until this year. 
um, just because for one, I'm stubborn and two, it's just, it's just annoying to having to justify and explain why you would need extra time. But I like, I didn't even need to justify myself. Like I literally just got it in less than two minutes what I needed, but it's just, you make the assumption because it's a physical illness, it can't impact your your mental illness, but it actually really does. It took me a while to ask for support as a student, just because I don't want, I, yeah, like I said, I don't like being treated differently. Um, just because of a dysfunctional organ, which in the end impacts my entire body and soul and mind, which is so sad. Um, but then I think another thing I really struggled with is because I, I didn't lose all my friends, but technically I arrived in this country with no friends. So finding that group of support was very, very challenging just because you don't know who to trust, you don't know who to look for. Um, and I feel when you're a fresher, you just try to make fi- make friends for the sake of having friends, just for the sake of feeling that you belong somewhere. But when I look at the friends I had from my first year, they're completely different to those I have this year. Or at least I don't speak to them as much as I used to. So yeah, it's just finding that close circle you can rely on is also the the really tricky part. Because when you have an emergency, you can't count on yourself. You have to count on others. And that's something that, you know, is I think hard for people with hidden disabilities to accept is that you can't always do everything by yourself as much as you think you can and you like. So, yeah, it's also finding that that group of friends that you, you know, you can rely on when things don't go so well. I didn't come from another country currently, but I did come all the way across the UK up to Scotland and basically lost all my friends back south, like like not lost them, but like they're they're all back south. All my support network is back south, so I'm I'm kind of on my own, and uh, it's really hard because masters is so taxing and so challenging. And as someone told me, it's basically a sprint. So it's really hard to make friends, and also you I don't know those people. I I don't know them. I mean they're nice people, but there's they're strangers still and i only have like one year so it's uh, i think that's that's also always been like impacting me massively and uh, as i said it's like i just want to feel like normal so i will wait until literally the breaking point until i do something and then it's having to pull yourself up by the bootstraps and try try to fix it and um, yeah do something about it but it's um, it's really challenging especially if you don't know if you don't have a support network and if you don't know where to look luckily I knew where to look because I have experience in UK as such but it's it's still pretty hard without like a support network close by that's actually quite interesting. There's actually two stuff I'd like to touch up on. So like the the normal part, yeah, it's actually really, tr- really important for us, I think, to not be treated differently. Uh, for example, I remember I went, I think it was like a Christmas dinner or something, and that someone made me food for for diabetics. And I took it very, very unwell because there's no such thing. As, at least for type 1 diabetes, you can't eat anything as long as you take your medication. But they made me a version that was for... It is f- diabetic friendly. And um, yeah, I did not take it well. I, I didn't say anything, but I just left. I was like, I'm not eating, I'm sorry. 
Um, so that's also like that the friend support is not like it's it's about like having people that treat you normally, and it's not just in case of an emergency. It's just really twenty four seven. Uh, people that you know don't see you differently because you have some you have other things you have to deal with physically and mentally. And I think another thing I I think I do struggle with at university is having the university staff being educated on their students. So for example, you know. I have a what we call a continuous glucose monitor, so it tells my blood sugar levels twenty four seven, and sometimes it rings if I'm too high or too low, but the alarm is not fun. It's really, really, really annoying.、Um, it wakes me up sometimes at two a.m. Unfortunately, but just to say that when it rings during lectures, it's you feel embarrassing, you feel frustrated, you feel annoyed. But how do you explain this to eighty people listening in the class, including the lecturer that stops talking because he got distracted by my alarm? So it's quite of an embarrassing moment, and you just don't know how to go about it. Like you could tell your lecturer, but so not everyone is as understanding as the panelist is today, or you know, just just like anybody. So yeah, it's 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 quite tricky as well when you go about explaining your tutors, lecturers that you if they. That that you need a break or like you need extra time. It's very hard to 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 justify because it does take in the end a big like emotional um energy from you. You know you have to be brave. You have to put yourself out there, and you have to ex- you you can't predict their reaction. So you have to be prepared for the worst. Which is while that doesn't actually justify why you behave like this in class or why your phone rings uh in the middle of the class. Like you don't you can't have that, but actually you do need to have that. So. Yeah, it's it's quite it's it's super tricky. Thanks, Sophie and Zana for sharing your experience. It's so interesting listening to to hear you know listening and hearing about about those.、Um, Sophie, I just want to say like in terms of speaking with your lecturers, if you ever feel you need support with doing that or you need a way of kind of sharing information, you know, let us know. The disability team we work so closely with students, and the support that we implement is based on students' experience, and it's about you you being at the centre of it and deciding what information you want to share. Um, and and what you feel would be helpful having things like maybe a note to say that you have a glucose monitor that might go off in classes. We can do that. We can add a note onto your student record, and that will be shared with teaching and support staff, so that if that happens, they know,、um, and they know the reason why. So you know, if there's something like that 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 students need, I would always encourage people to to let us know, and we can look at that with you if they they don't want to share that information themselves. Um, so yeah, we're here. We're trying to engage with students in lots of different ways. We're working with the student experience team, who Becca works with, to to put information out there about what is a disability and what do the disability team do. Because not everybody who has a health condition, a specific learning difference,、um, associate with the and, and recognise the word disability.、Um, so on a lot of the information we put out, we actually give examples of. Um, health conditions, specific learning differences, disabilities that that we work with, so people know, you know, that we we can offer support,、um, and as I say, that is person centred. So it's about us when we meet with you, trying to determine what is your experience of studying. We do that by kind of breaking studies down into the different. Areas to find out, you know, how do you manage in classes with note taking, with concentrating, with engaging?、Um, how are things for you in exams, doing practical work, using a computer?、Um, because you're right, it's not always obvious how 
a condition may affect someone in their studies. So our job is a kind of fact-finding mission working with students um, together because sometimes, you know, if it's a new diagnosis or someone hasn't studied in university in a similar situation before, they might not know um, how their experience is going to be affected by their, their disability. So it's about working together and any provisions that we put in place, they do stay in place unless we agree changes with students, but they're not set in stone. We can always review things. People are always welcome to come back to us and have a discussion if they're having any difficulties, if they want to review things. It's also nice to hear when things are going well too. Um, so yeah, just we would definitely encourage people to get in touch. Yeah, definitely. I would just like to um, kind of echo what, what Leslie has said. I think the key thing is raising awareness about the support available at the university and how they can help. And it is really interesting about what both you guys, the students, have said around feeling comfortable about disclosing and that support networking, asking for help. I too am um, studying part-time as well as working for the university. So obviously I'm fully aware of all the support we have available at university for students. And I really did put off asking for support that I needed. So um, I'm dyslexic. So obviously have that le learning indifference. And I almost didn't disclose it to the university, which seems really silly because I know how beneficial that is. But I almost didn't disclose it in fear, not really in fear, but thinking it maybe has seen as a weakness because I'm also a staff member as well. And it wasn't until I had a just a general chat with my personal tutor when they were asking how you were getting on and they asked, just generally asked about things and were flagging all the support services that I thought, you know what, this is really silly of me not to you know, if I'm entitled to get an extra time and support and stuff in, in my assessments and exams, why would I not disclose that? Um, so I did. And then I obviously contacted the, the disability team and the support that I've had from them has been has been fantastic. You know, it's it's been so person centred. Um, it's really been based on my desires, my needs. And I've found it so, so helpful. And I'm just really glad that I took that hard step in letting someone know actually like I struggle a little bit with this and I've been out of studying for a long time so kind of thought oh maybe I'm not so dyslexic anymore as I was when I first went to uni but that doesn't really change <laughs> um, so when um yeah and you know what now I've kind of got provisions I've got provisions in place that are not only helping me with my studies but they're also helping me with my work um which is amazing which is fantastic so yeah, I think if anyone is is really struggling at all, I really would encourage you just to reach out and speak with someone. The conversations are, are confidential. If, if you don't want your lecturers to know, they don't have to know. But equally, if you do want them to know, they, they can know when they then they can support. That, that's quite interesting. Um, I, I was well, my first job was as a support care worker and I didn't have any provisions for my diabetes. And when I tried to explain they said, well, they said, I can't remember what they said, but they were like, oh, but you, are you sure you can eat sugar because you have diabetes? I said, well, that's my point. I need it. There there will be occasions that I actually do eat sugar. And well, actually, I always need sugar, but like there are occasions where it's just an emergency and you need to let me eat. And um, it was hard for them to understand and gauge because of their background. Um, so that was very, very, that was very frustrating. So I always assumed you can't actually have provisions for for a disability, but it's good to know that university does help not just students, but also support their staff. Um, I guess also something else I wanted to point out is 
I'd love like I, I'd love to say to disability support when I actually need them. But the issue with um with di well at least with diabetes, it's not linear. So I can't actually tell when I will be needing support. Like I might be needing it now and I'll never like I I won't be able to tell you that until I actually feel like I'm about to faint. Uh, but I might actually need it in two weeks because my blood sugar levels will be super stubborn because I'm super stressed. So I get insulin resistance. Uh, I actually don't know. And that's just so frustrating because I'd love to give you a plan because I'm so organized and so forward thinking. But I can't do that with diabetes. It's always, you know, on the go, on the spot. And I feel bad because then, you know, you ask for support last minute and you have to justify why and you have to explain why. And I feel that at least with my school, I have to justify everything. And then I need the backup of disability support to for them to, to be convinced it's an actual thing that's going on. So, yeah, it's a, it, it's, a, it's a tricky situation. It's not the easiest thing to ask support, even though it's like an email away or a text away. It's, it, I think it requires a lot of like, um, I don't know, I think to be brave in some ways that people don't want to acknowledge it because you're admitting a sense of fragility, a sense of weakness that, you know, no one likes to show, but you, you are doing it in the end. And in the and I think if anything, it's going to bef benefit you despite how you might feel about it. So, yeah, I guess yeah, the big message being don't be afraid to ask for support, even if you think you don't need it, is is a big one. Like it it, it could be for anything though. Like just having a, a really bad situation back home, you know, or not not just it's not just about yourself in the end, you know. Like there's, you know, people do affect you on so many levels. Um, like I heard of one of my friends. Mom, mother's been diagnosed with cancer and he doesn't want to ask for support because he thinks that like it, 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 he thinks that it's not my issue though it's my mother's issue I'm like, but no but you're being so affected by it like, you, you you're i can tell your academic performance is just plummeting right now you know stuff like that so yeah like it, it yeah it does admit a sense of fragility and i guess that's probably why people are so afraid of asking for support um yeah i i totally agree um, because it's it's all scary and I thought I wouldn't get the support I knew I need because I did struggle at first because to get it I had to get a letter from the GP which I'm new to this place and uh, it took forever to get a letter and then when the letter came it literally said we can't access her previous records but I agree, get, give her what she wants. And I was like, no one's going to give me anything with that kind of a letter. And then as the support came back, it's like, yeah, with that, we can give you provisions. Like, oh my God. I was like, I if I read that letter personally, I was going like, there's no way I'm giving anything to that person. And they just turned around and said, yeah, you can, you can get support. So if you need it, uh, definitely go and ask for it. And yes, any anything can affect you. It's not just if you have a hidden disability. It could be something you're going through, something that happened to you that you need help with dealing with or or someone in your family is affected and it's going to affect you because you're not a lone island. You're, uh, you live amongst humans and everyone affects you and even things in the world affect you. So if you think you need help, um, do go and ask for it.
Yeah, I think one of the main things to highlight is that our student.support at abdn.ac.uk mailbox is manned by a team of duty advisors, 9 to 5, Monday to Friday, um, and they are there to deal with any urgent or quick queries that come in. So if a student does email us, they will get a response quickly if there is an urgent matter that's arising. So, you know, I would encourage everyone to, to reach out to us and that's not just about disability um, our student support advisors are there to help with personal matters financial matters academic related matters you know family issues that that might arise there they are um, as a, a source of support so so do reach out to us and we'll do what we can based on information that we're provided from students in, in relation to disability um, you know any evidence that we provide we'll, we'll do what we can based on on the information um, so do reach out to us. It isn't a small number of students who have let the university know that they have a disability. Um, I got statistics from the student records team on the 17th of November and at that, that point 14.62% uh, of the total student population have advised the university that they have a disability. Um, so there are, are lots of students that are sharing with us, which is great, um, letting us know that they, they have a disability health condition specific learning difference. So, you know, we would hope to engage with as many students as, as um, feel they, they would benefit from study related support in their, in their studies. And as I say, we do try and um, put information out there so that people know what we do and, and how to access the support so that if they require support in their studies, um, we're, we're there and they know how to get in touch with us. Thank you so much for sharing that insight, Leslie. That's been really, really, really interesting to see um, almost just how, how, how common it is. And there's so there's so many people in, in society that do need that support, whether they've disclosed it or not. And I think throughout participating in this podcast and listening to your guys' stories, it really has highlighted the importance of reaching out whether you need support now or you think you will need you'll need it in the future reaching out to having that support network that you can trust um whether it's personally and at the university we've got a fantastic team of staff who are here to to support our students and have the best experience they can on that note i would just like to thank you guys all for coming and sharing your your stories um i've really really enjoyed listening to you guys it's been amazing um yeah, I would just like to encourage any of our listeners who are listening that if they do need support to um, please reach out and contact the, the disability service. Um, I'll share the emails and the, the links there at the bottom. But yeah, thank, thank you so much, guys. Um, I appreciate it. So our listeners, thanks so much for listening. Take care. This podcast is brought to you by the University of Aberdeen.